0: Welcome to this week's Key Courses, Conversations with Folk in and Around Education. I'm Caroline Doherty. Before we begin, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests my guests and I are about to express are not the views of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Right, I'm out and about again today at Aspire Alternative Provision with Deborah Rutley, the Chief Executive, and Eleanor Bernardes, Head of Development and Opportunities. Aspire is a group of alternative provision schools and services in Buckinghamshire, working with the most vulnerable and disadvantaged learners at secondary age. Students attend full or part-time and are referred to Aspire by schools and local authorities. So Deborah and Eleanor, welcome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Deborah.
1: um I'm Deborah. Um, I've been in the AP Pre World for 19 years now, um, in Aspire. Um, it has changed its name over the years. <laughs> and previous to that, um, I was a mainstream school teacher. So I spent a lot of time in mainstream teaching RE and English and found that the children who needed a little bit extra support and nurture were the ones who would seek me out. Mm-hmm. So I found my way to AP not through looking for a job and a career move, but actually I followed a couple of kids. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: said, said in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um,
2: so I've had a career that covers a bit of everything. I originally trained as a physical theatre performer. Worked in hospitality management for a few years before retraining to be a teacher and working at the RSA Academy back in the days when we were developing the Opening Minds curriculum. I also did some work with the International Baccalaureate Organisation, very much looking at kind of curriculum and how we develop really effective curriculum for the kids that we're, we're working with. Um, And then I spent the last six years working in the organisation formerly known as LKMCO, now the Centre for Education and Youth. Big friends of the podcast. Yeah, doing a whole mixture of work with some amazing people from around the whole sector, um, looking at research, evaluation, some organisational support, um, and yeah, as head of engagement, got to go out, meet a lot of people and hear a lot of things that were going on. And I think for me, Kind of the the most recent year in my journey has been about having got to the point where I thought I was doing a lot of talking the talk without walking the walk so much. And so coming back into school has been for me kind of looking at how to turn some of those things that have become quite academic and theoretical for me sometimes into actual practical um, practical strategies. And actually, being able to work directly with teachers and young people again, and seeing the impact of some things that you know have been put in place
0: years ago, and things like that, so it's great, exciting stuff. Now, Deborah, you've you've been at spy for a long time. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about how it started and how it's grown?
1: Yeah, so um, it's grown massively over the years, um, and how it started was um in the community um a group of head teachers getting together uh 20 odd years ago and saying we need some provision for the children who are not being successful in mainstream school and this is all before um kind of your 24 5 hours provision all that kind of thing and they started in a little house in high wycombe Mm -hmm. um and uh Kind of formed their first pupil referral unit with the support of the local authority and the local head teachers. Um, we're still in High Wickham. We're in a bigger house. <laughs> um, the the it was actually the mayor's house. Oh, wow. It's a nice grand old building, but not quite suitable to be a school, but okay. a, a nice building. And we've um, grown every year. Um, in in different ways whether that's a new school a new service such as home tuition for sick children um, hospital support service or cams mental health service or another new school or a teaching school um, and uh, we've grown in response to the community needs and mm-hmm. the needs of the head teachers in the local area and we are responsive and adaptive to whatever it is that um, the changing cohort and pressure on young people demands from alternative provision.
0: And it sounds like you've worked in a very collaborative way yeah. alongside um, your local mainstream providers as, as, as well. What does that look like?
1: So very much so uh, collaborative mm. working I would the majority of our trustees are local head teachers or ex head teachers um so they can actually inform what we do they they can you know kind of give their view on our mm-hmm. our curriculum and our curriculum aims and make sure we're actually working together for all of the children yeah. in Buckinghamshire. Specifically, when well, we talk about this school site here today that we're in, which is a vocational and academic typical PRU site. Um, this was built with local head teachers. We formed a small group of uh, school leaders who met. Um, and work together for a whole year wow. to work out what did we want from the provision? Um, what did the curriculum look like? What could schools not offer? Um, and what needs did we need to address? And... Um, we, we, we did everything from working out the cost of the provision to how we market it to, to other schools, collectively as a group of schools together. And,
0: and can you give me an example of some of the things that you have on site here that schools themselves can't or don't
1: provide? So um, we run um, vocational courses like BTEC, um, Hair and Beauty, um, construction, um, we do catering rather than food technology, mm-hmm. um, horticulture, those kind of vocational provisions that normally could only be find, found in um, colleges. Yeah. yeah, So that's what the school said that they wanted. When we were building this provision, they they said that it would cost too much for them mm-hmm. to develop it individually in different schools. So they pooled money together. I mean, it really was collaborative because yeah. I actually had to say it's okay. We won't have that money. We'll put it all together, and we're building a site that that and provision that serves us all.
0: Yeah, and it's really using using that. Funding for the students yeah. wherever they happen to be in the system at that time yeah isn't it? yeah yeah and you you, you mentioned you've you, you've grown and, and and developed a lot and and you are a, an academy trust how have those academy freedoms allowed you to do things as a group of schools that you that might have been challenging in, a, in another
1: structure um i'm I'm not sure whether whether it would have been challenging mm. in another structure. Yeah. It might. It might mm. have been. Um, I'm not the kind of person to be blocked by challenges, mm. so <laughs> I'm I, getting that sense. <laughs> uh, I I would have found a way. Yeah. Um. What we do that's quite unique as as an academy trust is that we consider ourselves to be a family. Mm. We um share staff if if we need to we will share resources if Mm. if one school or service is is needing it more than another Um, and that includes the sharing of kind of slt experiences Mm. as well Um, and specifically because we've got a teaching school attached to our mat we've been able to Provide really good high quality CPD, mm. um, which as a standalone individual alternative provision with you know small group of students and small funding, we mm. wouldn't be able to do that.
0: And while we're on the subject of CPD, how does that work kind of internally across across the trust and the different different sort of forms of, of provision? Do you work together on on some of your CPD as a trust?
1: So we try to have, um, at the beginning of the academic year, we try to have CPD that's relevant to everybody. And that includes, you know, your cleaner and your chef, everybody. Mm. So, for for example, everybody needs to know uh, about how they might talk and respond to young people who've been affected by trauma. Mm. Um, everybody needs to know about the issues of, of uh, speech and language and the impact of that when you're going and you're choosing your, your meal for lunch mm. Mm. as well as the impact of that in a maths classroom so we we look for things that are relevant and beneficial to everybody who works in alternative provision, and then we have more bespoke programmes throughout the year whether that's for um, one site Or a provision, or a group of people across the provision. Mm -hmm. So people who are um, working as um, learner support and managing behaviour and interventions, they might get together, or teachers who are teaching maths and English. What does it look like for them in their classrooms? So. We've got a programme which um, offers a wide range of options yeah. depending on your job role or your interest. Some of them are voluntary and some of them are part of um, kind of statutory mm-hmm. uh, training.
0: Great. And your, your offer to schools and, and local authorities covers a full, really, like a full spectrum of
1: things. Could you, could you explain a bit more about the, the entirety of services that you offer? Um, so it is the full range I'd say it's a full range of services for um, children who can't access mainstream school for whatever reason so whether that's physical health Mm. mental health um, anxiety school refusing um, challenging behavior um, and the whole spectrum and schools make a referral to us and we work out what's what we think mm-hmm. is best. They might refer to a particular service and we might say, actually, that's not good mm. for that child. We don't think that will work. We think this will work better. Mm-hmm. So um we've we've kind of mastered our referral process yeah. and we know which kind of pathway to sign post young people in schools to.
0: Great stuff. And um Eleanor, you've, you've only relatively recently moved into alternative um, provision. W- what are your reflections? I mean, September you, you joined, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
0: How's it been? Uh, <clears throat> so I think it was very intense
2: first coming away. I remember um, reading a tweet at some point, I think, from Joe Hallgarten, saying that all think tankers and policy people should go back into school for like some time just to get back to grips with yeah. it. And I felt very much like that when we came back in. Um, And it's been really interesting because, again, I think when you spend certainly a lot of time thinking about things just from the theoretical, Mm -hmm. doing lots of research into it, it's important to do that bit to reconnect and think, actually, what is the impact of this? Um, So one of the first first things that I was doing was working on um, a free school bid, which... (laughs) was really helpful because actually it meant that I came in and really approached my understanding of what our provision was and what we could do yeah. through quite a theoretical lens about getting it all down, looking about what we wanted to do, what was what were the best things of a spa that we wanted to kind of grow yeah. out. So it gave me a really good understanding of what we were already doing, what we had on offer to kind of work from. Um, and then some of the highlights for me have been really experiencing the impact of some of the work that We've done back at CFEY. So, yeah. one thing that really springs to mind is I remember years ago, a chat with Becky Earnshaw from Voice 21 that led to um, Will Millard writing the first RSC report for El Co mm. and setting up the APPG. And obviously, I've been really interested to follow the journey of Voice 21 through that. And we are now doing their pre programme. So, it's great to have members yeah. of staff who are actively engaged at looking at some of what, mm. what that is in practice. Um, And so that feels rewarding to have gone through that kind of whole circle piece. Mm. And then also, I think one of the things that's very relevant to me is another report that we worked on called Building Trust, back for Ambition School Leadership, which was interviewing lots of chief execs and people that have been through this process of setting up mats and looking at those points when things needed to change in terms of growth. Um, Certainly with our own growth and thinking about where we are as a mat and what the aims are, um, it really adds that extra mm. dimension of saying, "Yeah, well, I remember people talking about this when we interviewed them years ago, and like this is kind of, you know, helpful yeah, no, when we're thinking about." Our aim, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm living the reports. It's great.
0: <laughs> and and what about work working with some of the the young people? Um, how have you found have you found that? It's great. Um, so it's really mm. nice to
2: actually have a chance to engage with young people again, and I think. Um, You know, the nuance of that is really important as well. So when you're having that day-to-day and understanding actually how young people who are accessing our provision, whether it's for behavioural needs or for medical needs, present through different challenges and in different ways and actually how they can be supported by staff who really understand the issues has been really great to get a better understanding of. And I think one of the things that Aspire staff do really well and it's kind of one of the key principles Mm. is that the relationships is a learning outcome in its own right yeah and you know it's very easy to read that or see it in the paper or hear someone talking about it but actually watching how members of staff and teams of staff develop those relationships with young people and help them to turn their lives around Mm. is is stunning absolutely stunning
0: and you know as somebody who's who's only an observer you know i feel like education research debates lots more kind of technical understanding of these things but i was really struck when i read um deborah's article about love is what breaks through and and actually as you as you say at the the core of it are our relationships and it's that that's a bit harder to sort of break break down into a one cpd fashion tick those boxes read that book yeah Yeah. you know it's it's a very much a lived a lived thing
2: so i think love is an interesting one and deborah sure can talk much better about this but that idea i think when people read about love and they hear other people mentioning love it's easy to think it's a fluffy concept Mm. but actually if you're with these young people day in day out and understand some of the challenges that they face and their communities face you have to be very intentional Mm. about that love and what that looks like and how that works in practice Um, and it's not fluffy at all
0: Mm -hmm. Deborah, have you got some reflections to share on that
1: I think that, that that the key word there is intentional. Mm. It's it's kind of working out what do, what does that mean on a day to day basis, and um, how can you make that happen, and being purposeful in your communications, your interactions, your responses because you're aware of the impact that you can have and the impact other people can have on on you and others around them, and. Um, we talk about that a lot, we practice it a lot, mm. we um, reflect a lot so that we can get better at that behaviours that are living our values. Mm.
0: Um, what, would you, what would you like people who maybe don't have very much professional experience of alternative provision to, to understand about, about what goes on in, in your service and services like
1: yours? um i think for some people it's understanding that actually we are a school Mm -hmm. um and it's it's about high quality education for young people Mm -hmm. as well as all the other bits it's and it's high quality education and the other stuff mm-hmm. it's not one or the other and that we take our uh teaching and learning very seriously we have a, a, a curriculum that we're proud of we have teaching and learning cultures mm-hmm. that um, we use so that everybody's constantly getting better because if you're not on the top of your game with regards to teaching and learning the children mm. won't tell you yeah they, they, you know, there's, uh, they won't mince their words. They, they will tell you, but you've got to be a good teacher, and you've got to be good at relationships mm. and understanding what's going on for young people, and you've not got to take things personally, and you've not got to take all that baggage home with you. So it's a big ask to work in AP, and, um, you know, I just say something about funding, and I, I don't mm. think as a sector we're funded e- enough to recognize all of that turbulence
0: mm. yeah I was gonna I was gonna ask what what the impact of, of sort of fund wider system kind of funding pressures has been
1: on on your work um, a, a a lot a lot of impact really and mm. it starts with the mainstream schools and the lack of free services that are available Mm. to mainstream schools will have an impact on some of these children missing out. Missing out on diagnosis, missing out on support, teachers feeling um, kind of pressured Mm. to be managing children in the classroom without any additional support. And then there's an impact on schools being able to um, commission places from us um and for long periods of time what does that that look like um those costs will have an implication on how many children we have and mm-hmm. whether we're full or whether we're busy mm-hmm. um and then that will have an impact on exclusion numbers yeah you know if you're not allowed if you haven't got the funding to buy support for the young people you might end up with a crisis point a tipping point where school's going to say we're, we're going to exclude um, mm-hmm. and it's the lack of services basically that schools are saying to us has the biggest impact on mm-hmm. how collectively we yeah. can support children with many complex issues and presumably
0: for, for for you, you have quite a sort of mobile cohort, children sort of yeah. joining you for spells and not yeah. being able to be prescriptive about how how long you might yeah. have a child as well must make it quite difficult to budget.
1: Yes, yes. We on unlike a say the closest school type to us might be an SEMH special mm. school um, where they would get regular funding every year for a set cohort. Mm. Um, we have the turbulence in our, our funding but you know if we have if you know 10 more kids next week who are excluded from school can't magic teachers out no. of thin air so it is a service which I believe needs to be funded fully for an academic year mm-hmm. a bit like how we fund our fire service whether yeah. or not there's a fire or not we still want the fire service ready and able mm. to respond we need to be looking at the PRU service a little bit like that
0: mm. very interesting point and Eleanor, any any reflections from you there on uh, on funding uh and, and and the challenges that 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 poses
2: so as deborah said i think one of the impacts is kind of the cuts to everything that went around mm. schools um and certainly the young people that we see often face multiple disadvantage and they have all sorts of different vulnerabilities and a lot of that previously might have been mitigated by more effective services yeah. that they were able to access. But actually as we've been through years of austerity and that shrunk and we know how long it takes to get referrals to CAMs and how much schools kind of struggle to yeah. look at that provision kind of beyond the mm-hmm. school gates, that actually they're bearing the brunt of that. And so when young people come to us and I think one of the things about leading with love as well is actually understanding that holistic view and the behaviours that might be presenting themselves Mm. to you what's beyond that and what are the what are the levers that we can pull to alleviate some of that Mm. to make you know to turn turn these kids lives around really
0: that that sort of trajectory isn't as as predictable as other things that you know you 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 might be able to plan for in Mm. in budgeting terms um and, and and finally, um, I know, I know you're growing and developing all the time. What what plans have you got for kind of further growth and development of your trust? This is where Eleanor <laughs> comes in.
2: <laughs> so we are at a point of growth. Mm. So we know that as an outstanding provision, it's really important that we keep that in order and that we know actually what it is about our provision that works before we try mm. and kind of replicate that. So we're not we're not desperately kind of scrabbling for opportunities we're trying to make sure we understand what the best steps for us are as a mat um and that's a really exciting place to be so certainly as kind of the school sector is changing and mats are taking an ever-increasing role in what that landscape looks like actually having a chance to be deliberate and think about what kind of mat do you mm. want to be how do you want your values to to play a role in that and what does that look like in practice so for somebody who might be talking to us and say we want to join your map, which is some conversations we are having yeah. with other schools, we're able to say, okay, well this is what being part of this fire family looks like. Yes. And I think it's very important to to capture that again deliberately and be intentional yeah. in thinking about what we want that growth to look like and why as well. And so I think for us there's a lot of research that comes out showing that there is some great practice and alternative provision, but there's also some areas where they're lacking access to the same level of high-quality options for Mm. young people, and that's not equitable. And, uh, you know, we think it's very unfair that we live in a... um, In a society where, depending where a young person is, has such an impact on kind of what their opportunities are. So thinking about um, what Kath Murray calls the cold spots for AP Mm. is something that's important for us. Because at the moment we can say, young people in Buckinghamshire have access to this whole range of provision that we're able to provide for them. But actually, young people who might not be that far away, but in different areas, Mm. might not have that same. So addressing that kind of equity issue is a big thing for us.
0: Great stuff. And and any... Any final thoughts you'd like to to share share with the listeners on on closing about about what you do
1: and anything like that? Um, just one thing: we're not as scary as people think we are. I can confirm. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, actually, more people should go and visit their local AP or visit us come and see what goes on um, and what goes on in classrooms. Mm. Yeah. And I'd
2: add as well that I think we're reaching a time, again, with these changes, you know, there's no blueprint really for mm. what maths are going to look like and how the structure is going to change. And <laughs> although we hear quite often about the negative worries about that and people concerned mm. and actually this is a great chance for opportunity. And I think, um, you know, coming in with the job... The job role title, Head of Opportunities Development, there's a question around what that is and talking yeah. to other schools. And one of the things that I've seen is actually looking outside the box in terms of mm. being able to do some of the things that you want to do. So I know that, w- well, we are underway with um, just finalising a charitable arm, which means that we can take money from grants and foundations to provide that extracurricular provision for yeah. our yeah. young people. Um, for the specific project that we're hoping to do first, it's very much around arts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the entitlement that it used to be a lot easier to offer, but as funding kind of constraints have hit, it's not. And I think um, it's great to see that maths especially, but also schools, are starting to be more creative in thinking actually, what are the different streams that they can use to to do the things that they want to do? And so it's quite an exciting time Mm. to be working. Get
0: get creative. Well, thank you so much uh, to to you both uh, for having me here today, and thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. And special thanks to Deborah and Eleanor for talking to us today. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at keysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.